Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What are the four secrets to successful business transformation? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how leaders can push through change despite the inevitable obstacles. But first, congratulations on being a lifelong learner and being proactive with your career. You're turning on the LeadX show as you tie your sneakers and go out on your morning jog, or maybe you're turning it on as you turn your car on to go for your morning commute. Either way, when you listen, you know LeadX will help you to stand out and get ahead. Please tell your friends at work, LeadX is the smartest way to start your day. And today's one-minute career tip is think twice for email. Think twice. I'm told over and over again that the biggest obstacle to productivity is email or sometimes meetings. And your organization can cut email volume in half just by training people to think twice before they send an email or add anyone to the CC line or God forbid, click reply all. In fact, uh, one company, International Power out of uh, London, England, they cut their email traffic by 54% after they trained all of their leadership to think twice. If you send less email, you'll receive less email. Think twice. And before I introduce our guest, Big thanks to all of you who have left a rating and subscribed to the LeadX show over on iTunes in the last week. It only takes a minute, but it's the best favor you can do for me. Now, our guest today has experience working in high tech and business, having held leadership roles in general management, marketing, software product development, and sales. She's the best-selling author of the book Rise, and her new book is Move, How Decisive Leaders Execute Strategy, despite obstacles, setbacks, and stalls. Our guest is Patty Azzarello. Patty, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thanks. Great to be here. So, Patty, we're going to talk about your new book, Move, in just a minute. But I always ask our guests to start with sharing a time when you failed, maybe early in your career, because, you know, we want to know what you learned from it so we can learn from it, too. You know, that's a really interesting place to start, because sometimes when you meet uh, an executive, it just seems that they were you know, dropped out of the sky at an executive <laughs> level and never suffered all of the embarrassments and frustrations of entry level <laughs> positions. Right. But I will share with you the, the worst moment in my career. I was an entry level position as a sales engineer, and I had been trained to demo half of our product line. We had a product line that was targeted at schematic capture and printed circuit board design. It was a design tool, and I was only trained in the first one. And the sales rep was told, do not schedule Patty for any demos of the second thing because she hasn't been trained yet. And of course, my first week on the job, the sales guy puts me in this room, and there are 17 printed circuit board designers that say, we're not interested in schematic capture. We have a solution for that already. We're only interested in print circuit board design. So I look at the salesman expecting him to say, well, sorry, you know, we can't do that today. And he instead looked at me and said, well, Patty, take it from here. <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> so, so I um, I got the product up on the screen, but I didn't know 
anything. And these guys just started firing questions at me about how do you do heat sinks and internal vias and multiple trace levels. And I, I did not even understand the questions. And after 17 times saying, I'm sorry, I'll have to get back to you with that answer. The very worst thing I could imagine at that moment in my life happened to me. And one of the guys looked at the sales guy and said, why did you bring her here? She doesn't know anything. And I was crushed. But the important thing I learned from this, and this is such an important lesson for everyone who's starting out, as awful and painful as that moment was, I didn't die. (laughs) And what I had was a list of 27 questions about what was important to printed circuit board designers. So I went back, I talked to the product manager for that product. He explained all those questions to me. He taught me how to think about them and answer them and how to demo those things. And within two weeks, I was the best sales engineer at demoing that product. And so the important lesson that I I took from that and still use today is don't shy away from putting yourself out there to be judged. Seek it out. It's the only way you will ever learn what excellence is and, and what's really required. Do not shy away from putting yourself out there. And when it's embarrassing, sometimes if you stumble, you don't die. I love that, Patty. I often will say, you know, that uh, entrepreneurs, especially, but highly successful people, it's almost like the word fail doesn't even have a a, a true meaning. It's like win or learn, <laughs> you know, you succeed or there's feedback. Right. Sometimes that <laughs> feedback is painful in the moment, but it often leads, usually does lead to to greater things. And Patty, your new book again is Move, How Decisive Leaders Execute Strategy Despite Obstacles, Setbacks, and Stalls. And MOVE, the title of your book, is actually an acronym you've developed for your system for business transformation. So summarize the the MOVE acronym for us. Yeah, I, I wrote this book because we've all been in those meetings where the executive management kicks off this wonderful new strategy and everybody in the room is just thinking, well... I don't need to pay attention to this because we never do those things. This is the strategy announcement of the day. And so many strategic initiatives just stall. And so the MOVE model is how to deal with that. M stands for the middle. And what every project program strategy shares is that there's all this interest and investment and excitement in the beginning, in defining what this wonderful new strategy is. And then there's a lot of excitement and clarity about defining what the goals are supposed to be at the end. But then there's the middle, <laughs> where where literally everything to, everything needs to happen. And so often it's almost totally undefined what needs to happen in the middle. And that's why everybody's skeptical and that's why so many strategies stall. So M is about defining a course through the middle that everybody can follow and see the progress. O is for organization. There is no effective antidote for the wrong team. And so often I see leaders thinking that their job is to make do with the team they have 
instead of building the team they need. And it does our job as leaders to make sure that we build a team that is fit for purpose. And I talk about how to find and recruit and retain and motivate the right people and how to get rid of the wrong people because we have to build the right team. V is for valor because none of this is easy. (laughs) Building the right team is not easy. Making resource decisions, trade-offs, sticking with strategies through the long middle and keeping everybody confident and engaged is hard work. So as leaders, we need valor. And then E is for everyone, because another mistake I see executives make is thinking that they can implement a transformation from the top. And while you can lead a transformation from the top, you can't do a transformation. Transformation requires that everybody is engaged and motivated and doing the new things that the business needs. And you have to engage everyone because if they don't go, you don't go. Let me ask Patty on, um, I want to jump back to the organization. I'm, I'm really a junkie when it comes to the talent management, people management type type stuff. And with all your, you know, successes and wins in your career, I'm sure you have built many teams. You've interviewed, you know, you've recruited and, and selected many, many people. I mean, do you have any tips or words of wisdom on that critical piece of assembling the right team? Yes. So two two ideas. And there's a ton of stuff in in move on this in the organization section, but It's really important for a leader to step back and create what I call the ideal blank sheet org chart. Don't start with your current team in mind. Start with your business purpose in mind and how your business needs to evolve into the future. And then draw an org chart that has empty boxes in it and define the roles. Define the roles that you need and define what the the requirements and responsibilities and things the people in those roles need to deliver. And once you have that ideal blank sheet org chart, that is your guide. That's the right team. Then you start making decisions about whether or not you have people that fit in those boxes. And if you do this well, you typically end up, if you do an honest assessment with some empty boxes and some extra people. And so then you need to seek to fill those empty boxes with the right people and seek solutions for what to do with the extra people. And I'm a big fan of interviewing for those empty boxes really based on strengths and and making sure that when you are interviewing, you are getting people to tell you stories about how they have done similar things to what you need done. And not just interviewing for for general skills, but what are those stories? Tell me how you thought about this. How did you make decisions? How did you make choices? And what did you actually do? And if they can if they can share that they have done the thing that your future organization needs, that's a really good clue that that's a great fit for you. And LeadX listeners, what I love is this idea of, you know, start with the blank sheet and then design the ideal organization. Now, I've come more from the startup, small to mid-sized company world, but I've seen over and over where either, you know, it's like, all right, let's redo the org chart. And 
someone's stolen basically an org chart design from a competitor. It's like, well, everybody has a customer service department. So now here's what ours looks like and all this. Or worse, it's like, here's all the people on our team. What are they great at? Let's make the org chart based on that. And, you know, your big point, Patty, is like, you know, ideally, what do we need? Put the people aside for now. And I'm going to butcher the details of this story, but there's this great example in your book where you're working with an executive team. And I think it was they weren't getting European retail sales where they wanted them to be, I think was the example. Mm-hmm. And you were able to ask question after question to get them to finally say, like, you would say, well, can you get your gains from the existing channel? No, we need to go to retail. Do you have any sales, you know, people in retail? No, we don't have that. And you were able to <laughs> ask them these questions where by the end, and I don't know if you were, in, when you actually were doing it, if you were jotting the boxes, but I could see it in my mind. Like you were creating this blank sheet of what they were going to have to do to achieve their goals. And, and I could see that coming together almost as an org chart. Yeah, that's a really, that's a, that's a really good point because it's so important to have the goals clear in your mind and work backwards from that. And in fact, that is my advice for how you create a meaningful, doable course through the middle, because you define the end point And then you ask a bunch of questions about what is it really going to take in the real world to get this done, you know, three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, and really plot that course in a very clear way. And if you ask enough of the right questions, the ideal organization requirements do fall out of that. Yeah, that's great. Now, I want to shift gears a a little bit. I, I want to talk about something I'm asked about all the time, which is, Virtual teams working remotely, it's still a hot topic. I've had Jason Freed from Basecamp on the show, and he's obviously a big proponent of of remote work. Um, I've had other organizational psychologists say, not so fast, you know, that if you really want to get it done, people should be together. And just my own little company, we get together on Mondays to kind of huddle up eyeball to eyeball, but then Tuesday through Friday, we're remote. And you said something in your book I'd never, I thought it was really interesting, never really heard this before. You say individuals can be more productive working at home, but teams can't. So explain that for me. Yeah, you know, there is so much chatter on <laughs> each side of this. And to me, it just, it seems really, really obvious where if an individual has individual work to do, they are going to be far more productive without distractions of an office place and without wasting time in a commute. However, if you need a team to come together to solve problems, that's never going to work better if people aren't together. And so my philosophy here and my practice here is just be aware of those two ideas and plan accordingly. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. You need team time. So you schedule it on Monday and then you get all the benefits of the face to face time and the team time. And then you give people a chance to go off and be super productive as as individuals. So this gets back to that ideal org chart again. What do you need your team to accomplish? What are the team things that your team needs to work on together and make sure you schedule adequate in-person team time for those things to happen. And then if you have work that individuals need to do, 
give them the flexibility to do it wherever they want. The way you say that, Pay, seems like it's the most obvious thing in the world now. <laughs> so let, let me ask a different question. You know, your your previous book, Rise, was really about uh, career advice. And I, I mentioned before the show, I think I'm going to have you back on just so we could talk about that in detail. But, you know, this is really a, a focus of the LeadX show, helping people who are early to mid-career professionals to advance. Uh, and, you know, you've had an incredible career. You were the youngest general manager at Hewlett Packard when you were 33. You ran a billion dollar software business by the time you were 35. You were a tech CEO at age 38. So I've got to ask, I mean, what advice would you have for, let's say, a young woman in tech or perhaps, you know, in any industry? You know, I I got a big aha recently about why young women struggle in tech or don't choose tech or drop out of tech. Right. And it's because they feel socially uncomfortable there, either because they are actively being excluded or, you know, put down or made to feel different, or they're just not attracted to the behaviors and the culture that they find in a very male oriented right. um, tech environment. And for me, I never had an expectation that the work environment should be socially comfortable or fun. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, I was as uncomfortable as anyone. But what I did instead was I got my social, you know, comfort outside of work. And when I was at work, I just I focused on on excellence. And I focused on the things that I could control. And I didn't, you know, if people tried to make me feel unwelcome, I just did not accept that. And so I think part of it is just realizing that if you focus on the things that you can control and create excellence, you are going to get opportunities to to move ahead. The second thing that I think is is so important that I would advise, you know, not just young people in tech, male or female, but anyone anywhere. But if you learn this when you're young, you'll be better off is to just make sure that you're not invisible. Mm. And the idea, I think we all have this natural idea that good work stands on its own and it doesn't. And if you think that's unfair, you're probably right. <laughs> but it's just it's just the way it is. And it's not that people are being malicious in some way or trying to put you down or ignore you. It's just that everyone around you is too busy to come and learn about and understand and admire your good work. And so you need to find ways to show your good work. And so people are often afraid of coming across as bragging or coming across as political. And that's not what I'm recommending. In fact, there's a chapter in my book, Rise, that's called Be Visible, But Not Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> because being invisible does not work, but being annoying also <laughs> does not work. And so the simple idea here is the is the way to be visible without being annoying is to just share things that are actually valuable. Share knowledge, share what you learned while you were doing the work. Share the outcome of the work that you did to the people who would benefit from knowing that. And 
if you do that, you are going to find that you will be one of the people who is being recognized and who is seeing opportunities for advancement instead of just working hard and wondering why everyone's getting promoted around you. Wow. Patty, there's so much in this advice because uh, most of my you know, last 30 years have been sort of tech startups and I was um, kind of master of my own fate. But the few times when I worked for someone else, and even back in college and college jobs, I, I'm a massive introvert. I'm shy. And I exactly what you just said. I always felt like I'm doing good work. I'm working harder. I'm smart. I've contributed. And yet I'm not getting recognized. And I'm better than this person, but they're getting thanked or they're getting the award or whatever it might be. And I used to think, oh, it's so not fair. This is so bad. And it isn't fair, but it's reality. It's reality. And I like the way you say it doesn't mean you've got to, you know, kiss up to the boss or be a, a showboat, but it's showing your showing your work. And I think there's even um, listeners, if you want to Google or go on Twitter, it's like hashtag show your work, hashtag work out loud. I mean, there's now like whole movements where saying you can do this, not just in your workplace, but in your broader community and industry. And it's a great way to, uh, you know, get attention in the right way and kind of build your personal brand. I just love that advice. So Patty, before we wrap up, I always like to challenge our listeners to get just a little bit better every single day. So what can we do today as frontline leaders to, you know, become a little bit more effective, maybe push our change initiatives, our transformation in our own ways forward. If I only get to say one thing. <laughs> you can say whatever you like. <laughs> I have a million pieces of advice. That's what I do is I help leaders be more effective. So, but if you only take one thing away from all of my advice, what I often say is schedule time to think. So many leaders are so overwhelmed and they're in this very highly reactive, very stressed mode and they don't have time to think and you can never get better at anything. You can't improve your organization. You can't improve your business. You can't improve your decisions, your investments, your choices of people if you don't have time to think. And if you just let the day go by and the week go by as it naturally does, often there is no time in there to think. So what I advise people to do is make sure that every single week you have time on your calendar where you schedule time to think. And then you also have to hide (laughs) (laughs) because if you don't hide, all the activity will find you and your time to think will disappear. (laughs) But you're not stealing time from the company by doing that. You are making an important investment. Love that. Schedule time to think. So, Patty, thanks for coming on the LeadX show. And how can our listeners find out more about you and your work? My website is azarellogroup.com, and there's all kinds of information there about uh, the work I do with corporations and individuals. And I'd also like to invite you to check out my Facebook page, which is called Patty Azarello Practical Business Ideas for Humans. Love it. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by Patty Azzarello. Don't forget, you can get the links she just mentioned and the notes from this interview over at leadx.org. You can get Patty's book from amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. And while that's it for today's episode of the LeadX show, don't forget to go download our free ebook, Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership over at leadx.org forward slash Branson. And until next time, remember... 
Leadership is not a choice because leadership isn't about authority. It's about influence. And you influence people with your words and your silence, your actions, and your inaction when you're a bystander. So we're all influencing at all the time. We're all leaders. Today, lead with intent. Intent. 